Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Refold Podcast. My name is Clayton, also known as George Pig, and today I'll be talking with Bart. Uh, he's a native speaker of Polish and a high-level English and Mandarin learner. So join us as we talk all about learning languages in Poland, the state of English in Europe, and learning Mandarin. Okay. Hey, Bart. Hello. So uh, thank you for coming on for this week's uh podcast sure no problem so, i'm actually happy very happy to be here it's kind of cool okay. uh, i haven't done a podcast before so it's pretty cool well thank you for being a guest so bart do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself like your background with languages your background with the language learning community with refold yeah okay uh so i'm bart i'm polish i'm like 30 years old turned 30 last month i think uh happy birthday yeah thank you it's it's a little late but it's okay thank you uh in terms of languages i had my birthday on monday where was your message oh yo i, I didn't actually know i, I didn't know i'm so sorry well happy birthday <laughs> okay. happy birthday thank you we're, we're, we're 30 together yep yeah 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 same year uh in terms of languages uh yeah like so i'm polish my native language is polish uh we only speak polish at home i've never lived in an english-speaking country and i've never really visited any english-speaking countries either apart from a short visit to ireland like five years ago and i spent maybe four days there so i'm not sure if it counts so i would say easily english is my strongest foreign language uh I'm okay with Russian, but just reading because it's 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 quite similar, and I took a course in it at university. Uh, so just being able to read it uh, is quite uh, quite helpful already, since my native language is Polish, and I've also started learning Chinese in twenty late twenty fifteen, I think, and it was a very short course also at university because I didn't have to take English classes because I just tested out of them right at the start of university. And I've had a ton of hours to spend on foreign languages. Well, I spent some on an elective in English, which was a giant waste of time. I took some Russian, and then I took 30 hours of Chinese, and it turned out it's like a really cool language. I just fell in love with it, and I've been learning ever since with some breaks, but it's just... I don't really have any goal in mind or anything. I just really like the language, but that's it. But I've never really considered having any motive or goal or something to learn for or study for. I just, I just like the language. It's quite pure in that regard. And yeah, I guess that's it. So you are Polish, so you're obviously like a native speaker of Polish. Correct. Um, your your English is quite good. I think you're actually certified C2, right? Certified? No, I officially not. But I did write. It's not. It's not obviously not fair and not legal. But I did write C2 tests for other people twice. So yeah, okay. I, I passed both times. So I'm double, double, double qualified. You could say. Double qualified. And. <laughs> yeah. um, in addition to Polish, you got English and you got Mandarin. Um, yeah, correct. And what is it sort of like? So there's this stereotype that Polish people do not have good English, but that doesn't actually seem to be true, at least the Poles that I meet. But again, I've only met Poles outside of Poland and or yeah. online. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It, it really depends who you're hanging out with. So in my experience, so I studied... An for an engineering degree at university, actually. So languages were always only a hobby. It was only a background thing for me. And in engineering schools, I think the people spoke not very good English overall. But people studying for humanities were typically doing better. And it was also the same for the same during my time in high school. So my class was focused on math and physics, and uh, 
yeah, they were not they were not terrific at English. While we also had humanities focused classes or groups, uh, they did way better. Because these many of those people would later pursue English studies and degrees and stuff like that. American studies or English studies. We have both actually yeah. in Poland. But yeah. I don't I don't know. Like if in general are they bad English speakers? Def there was definitely an opinion like that, let's say 10 or 15 years ago, I would play online video games. It's better to mention this early since I'm, I'm sure video games are going to come up later anyway. But yeah, there was this opinion that many Polish people that are a part of online video gaming communities would not would not speak English very well. It was definitely a thing. It's And it's true. I, I fully agree with that. As for reasons why it was that way, uh, the languages are actually very different. In terms of pronunciation, they're oh, very, very different. In terms of grammar, they're very different. This is, you actually have to pay attention to the word order in English. We, we don't have to do that in Polish. It's, yeah, fancy grammar and that, that, that sort of stuff. Uh, and we suffer from so, vowel poverty in Polish, as you know. We don't have many vowels, and English is just full of them. So, yeah. Yeah, in English's defense and in Mandarin's defense, word order is a type of grammar, right? Of course, yeah. So, um, but yeah, for being being Polish, what is it like learning English, for example? So I know. I've known you for many, many years. So yeah, uh, brief introduction. I've known Bart, geez, since like 2019, I think. It's now 2023. Yeah, 2019. And I think, yeah. yeah. And you attribute your high level of English not to what you learned in school, but to being like a person of the internet, an internet dweller, right? So you... You yeah. are very much into like uh, online video games and gaming in general. You're also uh, a developer. So I guess a lot of the dev content and stuff is going to be in English. Correct. Uh, so, yeah. Tell us about learning English in Poland, what it's like in school, and then also like the state of like the internet in Polish. Like, do they have video games in Polish? Was learning English like a necessity? Like, I want to oh, play this game. Oh, that's a, that, that's, a, that, that's a good question. Okay, okay, okay. Where do I start? Where do I start? Okay. Yeah, let, let, let's start with with uh, being a person of the internet because that, that ties in nicely with video games. Because I, I started playing video games very early. I was like, I don't know, four or five years old. We had this really old computer at home. It wasn't actually a PC. It wasn't a modern PC. It was a Commodore 64. That I don't I don't actually know where we've got it, but yeah, that's what I grew up with. So as you can imagine, it did not come with a Polish manual, and the command line interface, which was the only thing it had, uh, command line interface means like it's a window where you input commands. Uh, it would only accept commands in English, obviously. So I picked up some commands uh, from my older brother, who would instruct me how to use this computer, and then I would. So then he showed me like, look, this, there's this manual, but it's in English, so you can't read it. And I would just sit with that manual and just piece together the meaning of uh, the instructions and descriptions of stuff there with a dictionary, just a regular paper dictionary. So that was hard, but you know, as a kid, you have a ton of time. So yeah, I didn't go to kindergarten, so I had a lot of a lot of time at home. So I would spend it that way. It was only to purely for video games we've had this now, now yeah nowadays in poland is kindergarten mandatory uh i don't actually know i don't actually know so I i'm that. i'm the last of a generation um yeah my school district did not require full day kindergarten so i had half day kindergarten oh, but immediately okay. after me i had a cousin one year younger who had to go the full day so we're we're showing our millennial um, age here because I think at least in in where I'm from, it's now yeah. like a mandatory eight full day kindergarten. But when I was yeah, a kid, no it idea. was just a half day. Okay, okay. Well, no, it was zero hours per day for me. Didn't go at all. They so just didn't go. 
your, so your nope. first year of school was, I guess, what we that call was first grade. It was class. We had something called class zero, which was for those kids that didn't go to kindergarten, basically. Gotcha. Yeah. How old were you so when was, you started in six? Six, yeah. I think so. Okay. And it, it, it didn't have English class. And we did not have English classes until we were 11. So that's grade four. Jeez. So how old are were you when you got that Commodore 64? Uh, it was there ever since I remember. My first memories already contained it. So it was always there as far as I'm concerned. So you I, really, I, I wasn't... Like, Pre, yeah, I was pre yeah. first grade. Yeah, I was very, very little. 64. Yeah, I was very little and I started reading early. So I was lucky, in, at least with that. So it was a necessity for you, right? You had this Commodore 64. You yeah. had to use a command line. You had to use commands in English and the manual was in English. Yeah, yeah. So what happened after like grade zero, class zero? What was, what was sort of... It, you kept doing English, I'm yeah. assuming, from like your birth, basically, despite not starting officially until grade four. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, that is all, all true. Well, it's not just the manual, right? Before I went to school, we also had this uh, TV channel called Cartoon Network, and it wasn't it wasn't broadcast in Polish. It was just English. So I would just sit there, zone out, and just keep watching cartoons. I, I'm not sure if uh, I don't actually even know many of the was, original was titles cartoon, of cartoons. Yeah, was was it like the the black and white Cartoon Network logo? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, like checker, the okay. yes, the checkerboard one, exactly. Yeah. So I was yeah, watching so like I'm, Dexter's I'm from the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I'm from the middle of nowhere, and I actually did not have Cartoon Network as a kid. Uh, I was too rural for it. It did not get broadcast on my local cable. So you sounds like you had Cartoon Network <laughs> in I Poland, I didn't yeah. Have it until I was in Poland, because yeah, I'm from the middle of nowhere. So my little unincorporated community in the south, like 200 people. It wasn't until we got satellite when I was like a teenager that we got Cartoon Network. Yeah, that's crazy. So that's cr <laughs> okay. So you were well, watching Cartoon Network. Yep. Yeah, I love this. I watched Powerpuff Girls, Cow and Chicken, Dexter's Laboratory. These three, I was I was watching them all the time. They they had like runs, runs of the entire seasons of Powerpuff Girls. I, I would just watch that. So yeah, I was a kid that learned English with Powerpuff Girls. So by the time by the time we started English in in school in primary school, uh, grade four, I was already bored. I think I was yeah. I so what was really, it like? What was what, what happened like your first English class when you were in grade four? What were what were they teaching you? What was it like? Well, obviously they they start with the basics, right? They they teach you the present tense and so on. And uh, it depends on the on the school. In primary school, the teacher really didn't pay any extra attention to me. She didn't really care much. I mean, she she realized that I'm ahead of the class, but I didn't get any special treatment or anything. But in middle school and high school, it was uh, different already. I was getting a bit of special treatment. In middle school, I I was writing different tests than everyone else. Uh, I had to write the tests that everyone else was writing, but at the same time, my homework was different. I was uh, getting like B2 or C1 tests at that time. I was like 12, 13, 14, something like that. 13, 14. I think that's middle school. And when did you start like online gaming? Like where you had to use same time middle. That's people? that's middle school. Yeah, that, that's middle school. Uh, the games were. I, I played a ton of uh, multiplayer shooters, team-based multiplayer shooters. I played a lot of that. And before that, before we've had internet, because that's that that wasn't uh, something that was always available. We had dial-up, but dial up dial up yeah but it wasn't it wasn't yeah. good i didn't i didn't i, use it I had i had dial up as a kid too i remember waiting for the uh a page to load yeah yeah starting, I didn't... A, starting a starting a download at night and waking up and it's still not being done 
Yeah, and we also considered it quite expensive, at least for my family. So we, we didn't use it that much. So before that, the, the, the video games I've had were all downloaded from the university network for, by my brother. So he would go to, uni, go to uni, download the games, and bring them back to my hometown. So I, I had stuff to play. And those games that he brought... Many of them actually had Polish language versions, but I, I didn't. I didn't want to play those. I felt that I'm getting more out of the experience if I if I play those games in the original language. So I've made it a point that I've I've made it a point to always play them in English if possible. So I would play like classic role playing games like Fallout or uh, Icewind Dale or Baldur's Gate. I played. All those in English, so yeah, they have a ton of text. There is a lot of things to read, and they they are also partially voiced, so you can hear people speak. So yeah, so I that's actually the start of actual English language video games. And after that, I've moved on to multiplayer, team-based multiplayer shooters, uh, and then on my team, we since I'm from from Europe. We're all from Europe, and we all speak different languages. So obviously, there there needed to be some common language when we play in teams, and the language was obviously English. So everyone had a different accent, different issues, different grammar, <laughs> different vo vocabulary. It was pretty funny sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, this uh, is this is an interesting phenomenon in like uh, in you know in places where the the vehicular language that people use is different from their their home language right yeah and it, it seems pretty common in like in europe where like the eu's i guess they they group servers together right so like yeah you've got french people thrown into a, a game with polish people and yep so on and so forth uh yeah yeah you get to encounter lots of interesting opinions about different countries by people from different countries but yeah, it's not it's not a good environment for learning languages. I can I can say this much. <laughs> uh, people are focused on getting the message across, but not exactly on how it sounds or how well structured it is. Yeah, that's not, you, not a thing. You right? still you still play video games online. Uh, I, I do sometimes. With yeah, your, with your fellow Europeans, and I think there's still a, a diverse group of people, right? Yeah, not all of your people you play your games with are Polish. Uh, yeah, there's maybe yeah, there's not many Polish people. Most of them are uh, from different countries. Yeah, and this sort of European English is like really it's it's quite a phenomenon, I think, because you know, like you've got groups of non-natives who talk to each other every day, and yeah. Um, it's it's a really very interesting sort of emerging dialect of English to me. Um, obviously, native speakerism is a thing, and people really want that standard accent, quote unquote standard, whatever it may be, RPGA. Um, yeah, but it's it's very interesting. Uh, and would you say like your situation learning English is typical for for somebody from Poland? That depends. The very early stages, no, they are not typical. But later on, I think they are quite typical, yeah. Because around the same time I started playing online video games, uh, that also, like, to play online video games, I needed a better internet connection. And a better internet connection meant that I could also download stuff. So I would also download TV series. I watched a lot of TV series. And to middle school me, it didn't matter whether those TV series are from uh, England, from Ireland, from the United States, from Australia, whatever. Whatever, I, I didn't care. It didn't even cross my mind that it matters that someone speaks a given standard of English or given accent, right? So that's probably typical, not just for people in Poland, but in Europe in general. Uh, we don't really pay that much attention to it because it's a necessity if you want to consume content that is different from your native native language content and you don't have a choice you need to learn english right but it's just, 
just have to uh unless you want to be stuck with sub subbed movies which is yeah for some people it's okay i'm sure but uh i very early established that i want to have the full experience and to me it meant that the full experience is watching it with at least native language uh, the target language subtitles right yeah no. this is probably english how we all with, yeah english content with english subtitles exactly yeah that that tracks for me so it sounds to me like um you learned english through immersion in poland yeah the help of video games and uh your foreign friends yeah you, you could say so yeah and I obviously mean, I... uh, you know tv and, and such as well yep yep the same goes for music really like i would listen to a lot of music and read the lyrics in english right because the all the bands would sing in english as well <laughs> yeah you know what's sort of interesting to me is that um I don't get the impression that a lot of content is dubbed or translated into Polish, which is interesting given how how many poles there are in the world. You know, you guys are a fairly big country for Europe, right? Yeah. There's how many poles? So, yeah. 40 million? 40 million in Poland, and there's a sizable diaspora in many other countries, including the States, and I think some are in yeah, Brazil. So it, yeah. It's not like we're talking about like Slovenia here. We're talking yeah. about a country with like a very sizable population, but it still seems like, um, you know, like with, uh, when I look at like different websites, if stuff is localized into European languages, it's usually like Spanish, Italian, German, and French. So. Yep. Yep. And then the, there's the second tier of those languages. And in that second tier, you will often find Polish, Russian, uh, and probably one of the of one of the Nordic languages, probably Swedish. Yeah, it happens. It, it happens still. Some of the early video games I played actually did have quite decent Polish versions. So there was definitely and some money, some money put into it. As for other media, uh, so actually, not many people notice. But in Poland, when you have TV series broadcast on TV or uh, movies broadcast on TV, they are not dubbed and they don't have subtitles either. There is a person, one person, and he reads uh, everything that yeah, everyone is saying. Yeah, yeah it's, it's one voice. Those voiceovers. So yeah, it's a, I think you guys call it like lector or something. Lector, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I only know that because there are active Polish learners in the Revolt community. <laughs> so yeah, um, I never shout out, really shout out, it. shout out to Scott. Yeah. Shout out to Scott. Um, so you guys have like actual voiceovers where instead of having like the base audio audio track, it's like they they take the finished product, music and English voice and all, and they record over it. Exactly. Yeah. The actually, that does not sound pleasant. It seems common in like a lot of uh, I don't want to call Poland Eastern European, it's Central European, but in a lot of those like Eastern Bloc sort of countries like Russian, Polish, it seems like those sort of uh, lector or, or voiceovers are like really common. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what's the reason for that, actually. I've always found it weird. It's kind of, of course, I, I stopped commenting on it, but <laughs> I, always, I always thought it's weird. I don't know why. We do have dubbed movies, but the dubbed movies will, will be like huge releases. Like Shrek, maybe. Shrek had a dub. I watched I watched dubbed Shrek. My sister took me to the cinema and we watched it. But <laughs> Did they give yeah. Shrek an accent, like a regional accent, or is it just standard Polish? They all speak standard Polish. Gotcha. That's the only Certainly, thing I hate about yeah. like about like some translations and dubs is they lose some of the flavor. You know, mm -hmm. like um, there's there's Definitely, got yeah. to be some sort of I don't know, like you know, Poland is not as uniform as it likes to appear on paper, right? Like it's not. Yeah, there's definitely you've got like Silesians and Kashubians and stuff, and like there's got to be some 
regional variant of Polish where you're like, yeah, yeah, I can see an, a swamp ogre talking like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I always hate when that sort of fla- flavor is is lost, you know. Um, no, I know what you mean. Translation, uh, I, I get it. Uh, it's yeah, like with 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 like sometimes like with Japanese shows, they map like the the Osakan variety to like people from Texas or something like to try and get that that same vibe. And uh, I think it's worth the effort. Like you know, like a really good proper localization carries those vibes. And I, I hate I hate to hear like I can't imagine hearing Shrek speaking like general American, you know? He's got that sort of faux Scottish accent. So that's unfortunate. I'm sorry, Bowler. Uh it's it's okay. They some certain characters do speak with an with a with more slang, but in terms of pronunciation, it's all just standard Polish. As standard as it gets, yeah. Uh yeah. So just to satisfy my own curiosity. Sure. Yeah. Uh, as a as as one of the few like Poles who I know, what what do what do they do in Polish to represent like a couple of different things like uh foreigner speak or caveman speak or old timey speak? So like, you know, obviously in English to represent old timey speak they use archaic pronouns like thou and thee. They often use them wrong, <laughs> but they try and uh to represent cavemen, they only use object pronouns: me, me grok, me hungry. Yeah. Um, what? How, how does Polish handle that with all of its declensions and stuff? For cavemen speak, they just let go of the grammar, so everything becomes infinitive. That that's cavemen speak for us. So you you stop using declension and conjugation, and it becomes cavemen speak. So, yeah, for all the Polish learners. Sadly, that's how you sound if you don't use the grammar properly. Sorry. But for the other other parts, like regional speech and so on, I actually don't know. That's uh, I'm probably the worst worst person to ask because I, I don't actually watch much Polish content. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I feel out of my out of the water. I don't know. No idea. How about like old timey speech? Like old timey uh, speech. Old timey speech. Uh, it's way more formal. If it appears, I think that's that's how it. That's why it appears old because it's so formal. Do, do they try and do anything fancy like pronounce the L properly instead of as a W or like? Uh, I don't. Uh, you guys have like two H sounds that merge, like H and H. Yeah, but like that's. Modern- uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's true. That like, there was a there was a nasal H, and there's a regular. Do H. they actually like go for it at all? Are there any like archaic pronouns or anything? There are some people that still pronounce it actually, but they live in the eastern reaches outside of Poland, like modern day Ukraine. Those people that still speak Polish natively, they will pronounce those weird H sounds as well as the. L, the other L, not the W sounding one. And that was also the standard for very old Polish TV. That's how you were supposed to pronounce things. Right now, since it's, it's no one speaks like that anymore, it appears old gotcha. to me, but I don't think it's something that would be done consciously. It's not something that they they imitate for old-fashioned flavors. They just yeah. use, like, formal words. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's what I think, yeah. So, I, I've, I've pestered you the past, like, 30 minutes about English, but I know that English really isn't your passion. You're much more passionate about Mandarin. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know your exact level of Mandarin, but... Uh, I don't know either. I assume it's I assume it's strong enough, right? Like, you can follow TV shows and have conversations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel comfortable. And yeah, how, how was that? Compare, compare and contrast. Sort of learning English as a necessity, as a young Polish child in a village. Yeah, it not was a town. Village, it right? was a, it was a town. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a town. It's not a village. But <laughs> um, being forced to learn English, right, to interact yeah. with the world and watch Cartoon Network versus like consciously taking up mandarin on a whim while you were in university oh the biggest difference is like the 
how available everything was when I started learning Mandarin. Because for English, I was so happy when I had like a new video game or a new TV series, you know, because someone had to actually, at first someone had to bring those things to me. And later on, I had to download them, but it took ages, really, a really long time. But when I was in university, about to graduate university, and I picked up Mandarin, everything is just there online. It takes zero effort. It's just so easy in comparison. It's, even native, if you want to reach out to native speakers, even that is easy because you're everywhere. So, you know, obviously you you got good at English. Have you ever used Anki for English? Never, no. Never, never. Okay. I've so you never heard even here, practiced. Folks. This guy has passed two C2 exams in English, has never used Anki. Never, uh, yeah. You, you did use it for Mandarin, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've used it a lot, actually, for Mandarin. I, I even enjoyed it, actually. I, I, I thought it's enjoyable. It was enjoyable. Yeah, you sort of fit that sort of uh, engineer slash programmer personality type, the, the kind who will do two hours of Anki a day and love it. Yeah, you know? I used to. I, I actually used to. Uh, two hours is a little longer. But when I was uh, learning to handwrite, because I can also handwrite in Mandarin, I would be doing flashcards, and for each flashcard, I would write it down as well. So that would take over an hour, and I was doing that every day for like three months straight. And I enjoyed it. It was like a good break. <laughs> yeah. I'm not proud of that, but... Uh, and <laughs> So you, you, you kind of came in, you did your 30 hours, I guess, of Chinese in university which probably yeah. pales in comparison to the amount of schooling you had in English um, over Correct. the course from fourth grade till, I guess, presumably university as well. Mm -hmm. um, but like English is like sort of a global language, right? Like, yeah. Whereas Chinese is spoken everywhere, but it's mostly spoken by like ethnically Chinese people. Um, yeah. Right. Like 30% of Malaysians speak Mandarin, but almost all of them are going to be ethnically Chinese. Yeah, um, yeah. So I imagine that's quite different, right? Because like um, uh, in Asia, for example, when you play online, and if they don't like have local servers per country, English is the language that's used. Like if you play Dota in, in, in Asia, for example, um, you know, you're going to get matched up with like Indians, Southeast Asians, um, so on and so forth. And like English is going to be the language that people use to communicate. So you didn't have that same sort of like, I guess, need to learn Mandarin, but yet you managed to get quite comfortable with it. So how was that, you know, learning something as a passion project, as a hobby versus, you know, this is English, I need to learn it. And the whole world is in English. Well, I didn't look at it that way for English. I mean, of course, there was a need. There was a necessity because uh, it's it's a tool. As far as I'm concerned, it's a tool. Uh, but there was honestly a lot of things that I was interested in. Like there was a lot of movies I wanted to watch. There was a lot of TV series I wanted to watch. I thought they were very cool. And that's what I focused on. So I didn't actually feel it. I, I didn't feel like I'm learning anything. It was just fun. And... It's the same for Mandarin, actually. It's just fun. The f very, after I've left the university and I was learning by myself, because obviously those 30 hours with a teacher were, were not worth very much. We didn't, learn, we didn't go very far. Uh, and when I was learning by myself, I did the thing I knew from school. That was my first step. I just took a textbook and I went through the textbook. I've had a native friend. I would check my homework even. Uh, I didn't actually speak very much because, uh, yeah, they would laugh when I spoke Mandarin at, at first. So uh, that wasn't very reassuring. I, I didn't do that very much. Uh, yeah, I just focused on, focused on reading, on doing the exercises. I went through one book. I went through another book. I went through like four books in total. 
after four books, I was comfortable enough to have like basic conversations with people. Later on, I just uh, started watching YouTube. I think yeah. it's it's very interesting, um, and we're sort of lucky that you're you're Polish, right? Because you have this unique perspective on learning what you're doing. So, um, as an English speaker, there are some sounds in Mandarin that yeah. are quite tricky for for an Anglophone like me, like. Um, they have the the distinction between like the the retroflex and the um the lv yeah. their sort of sound right yeah and like oddly enough at least consonant wise it seems like there's like a pretty decent overlap in sounds uh between between polish and mandarin um yeah 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 like uh, we have the the those sounds are in Polish as well, so that's. I assume those are those that you've meant that are difficult for native English speakers, right? It's correct. These are difficult. Yeah, we also have z, z, z. These are. We also have g, g. Yeah, there is quite a lot of overlap for those consonants, especially for those, right? Vowels are different. Uh. very different yeah in some places but yeah I, I didn't feel like mandarin pronunciation apart from tones which are they are difficult uh unless you maybe speak speak a language a different tonal language or uh pitch accent language maybe shout out easier. shout out to all of the the vietnamese people in poland oh there's so many of them yeah <laughs> yeah shout outs to them uh yeah and that language is very difficult as well vietnamese i i wouldn't even attempt it uh but yeah tones were difficult for me but uh, the vowels well, I, I adjusted and the consonants i at first uh, i pronounced them exactly the same way as as they are in polish because i thought that's that's a good enough approximation and with more exposure to mandarin i would notice differences right yeah I cannot relate. Oh, that, that's actually a good point because I cannot relate to many of the troubles that people have while learning Mandarin because so much content for learners is targeted at native English speakers that I just I cannot relate to a lot of it, right? Because uh, a lot of attention is paid to things that I think are not very difficult. So that, that, that's something that, yeah, I, I felt. Yeah, it's. I had mixed feelings about. It, it's sort of interesting. The the more languages you speak, the broader your meta linguistic awareness is, right? Like, um, you know, if I'm imagining like a a boomer, a boomer American who only speaks English, mm -hmm. the idea of some concepts is just so mind blowing to them, whereas when you speak more languages, those concepts become very trivial. Like, um, you know, like people lose their mind. For example, Anglos lose their mind over grammatical case and over like conjugations, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, wow, there's conjugations. Wow, there's declension cases. Um, and obviously like tone. Tone is interesting to people who do not speak a tonal language, but like, yeah. You know, it, it's just sort of having that broader perspective, right? Like, given that you speak English, given that you speak Polish, you're able to go into a language like Mandarin and approximate sounds, and you get you get the gist, right? Because like, yeah, Polish has conjugation, it has uh, noun classes like gender, it has declension. And then you're like, okay, English. English, imagine English is your first native language. You're like, what? There's no case. Whoa. There's like no gender on words. But then you like, when you go to Mandarin, that's not as surprising, right? Because you're like, okay, caveman speak, just like English. Um, and you sort of have that metalinguistic awareness, right? Yeah, you kind of know what you're dealing with already. You have some experience. Like you, you, you have dabbled in Taiwanese Hokkien. Right. So like very little, but yeah, coming from a background of being like a pretty competent Mandarin speaker, I'm sure a lot of things are less surprising. Like you're used to counter words, you're used to tone, even though some things may differ. 
yeah, the biggest obstacle for Taiwanese Hokkien is the pronunciation, actually. It's much more complex, much more involved than Mandarin. Mandarin they have a like really a... crazy tone sandy thing going on in, in Hokkien. Yeah. Yeah, there's basically for a given sentence, there's like one one syllable that is pronounced with the correct correct in quotes uh, tone. Everything else changes. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I'm I don't feel competent enough to speak about it in depth, but yeah, it's 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 hard. They they have nasal vowels. We have those in Polish. You have them in Polish. Yeah, yeah we have them in Polish. Yeah, lucky to be Polish. But they are still very difficult for me. <laughs> yeah, it, it always tickles me because I don't know if it's because I'm a southerner, but uh, we have nasal allophones, right? Um, yeah. So like they're not phonemic, but like Kang or something like you know, like Boomhauer or whatever on 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 King of the mm-hmm. Hill, like. But there are so many Americans who cannot do nasal vowels, um, and. It's it's very interesting, right? What you know and what you know, right? What you know, what you don't know. And again, just having that breath is like, oh, they've got nasal vowels. We've got them too. Easy peasy. Yeah, I wish it were so. But <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. There was always something about it that made it extra difficult for me. Hard to so, say what. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I imagine comparing Mandarin, which has sort of like two vaguely similar standards right mm-hmm. um you know I, i've listened to some of like the the taiwanese textbook audio it sounds very similar to mainland mandarin um the so-called there official s- right yeah yeah um, and then you've obviously got like regional variation non-native mandarin but i feel like when you don't have government backing behind a language like you get with hokkien mm-hmm. you have just a, it's sort of anarchy in a way, you know, and not that that's a bad thing. I love diversity. I love variation, but like, you know, going from say Taiwan to going to Penang in Malaysia, where, you know, they also speak Hokkien, you're going to have yeah, a hard but those time, are, right? The, yeah, those are different. <laughs> the, the common vocabulary is different. They use different words for, for things. There's a yeah. lot more diversity, I think, whenever yeah. there's not standardization. Standardization ultimate, like, you know, I get Poland. Perfect example. Poland used to have a whole bunch of dialectal variation. Um, Correct. And yeah, we did. Poland has lost a lot of its dialectal diversity in favor of standard Polish. And all that really remains is like people who speak Polish outside of Poland, like the uh, Ukrainian speakers of Polish, and then the regional languages, right? There are mm-hmm. a handful of regional languages spoken in Poland. But yeah, standardization, I think, kills diversity. And Hokkien, as a rule, just doesn't seem as standardized. And it's not. There's, yeah, it's it's, it's not. Uh, there are some textbooks, but that, a textbook does not make a standard, right? And even between textbooks, you'll find uh, different words and different gram- grammatical structures being taught. So it's, uh, it's difficult. And... Yeah, as it is with languages like that, uh, what you see in media is very often also a dumbed down version of the language. It's not. It's also not how people speak. I think Cantonese is in a similar situation where uh, some Cantonese songs are actually just Mandarin with Cantonese pronunciation. That is not Cantonese, right? Correct. Yeah, that seems to be the case with a lot of older. Well, I say older, like anything that's not super recent. I think a lot of the traditional uh, canto pop is essentially just Mandarin in a Cantonese accent. Yeah. Right. Um, and with with Hokkien, you know, they don't have the same, even with Cantonese, right? There's this sort of huge media, right? There's the Hong Kong media, the Hong Kong dramas, the Hong Kong movies. I don't know if if Hokkien really has that. There obviously are dramas in Hokkien, but they feel like granny dramas, right? Something that they are they are watch. granny dramas, yeah. But it's also it's uh, also everywhere. It's everywhere. Every TV series, every every drama that you watch from Taiwan will have at least small part where someone speaks 
Hokkien. So it's present. You will run into it if you actually decide to learn Taiwanese Mandarin and watch primarily Taiwanese media. You will run into Hokkien. You cannot avoid it. It's it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It influences the the Mandarin that they speak in Taiwan. People will use words straight from Taiwanese Hokkien. Uh, yeah, it's, it's there. It, it has an influence on the way they speak as well in terms of grammar and what structures they will choose to speak when speaking. So you will run into it. It's there. It's it's there. Despite not having a standard, not having, aside from granny dramas, as you've called them, uh, you will run into it always. It, it's despite not having a standard. It's, it's there. It lives in a way. So you managed to learn English and Mandarin. What was your blocker with with Taiwanese Hokkien? If you had to pin it down to a few things, is it lack of connection with speakers? You know, obviously most written Chinese content is written in Mandarin. Um, yeah. Anime, dubs, uh, translated manga, stuff like that is all going to be Mandarin. So yeah. I th yeah, think... I just wasn't serious enough. It was, uh, as far as Mandarin goes, when I started learning, when I picked it up, I was at a place in my life where it just fit. It, there was space for it, and it fit very nicely. I built other things around it, around this hobby, and I feel like I couldn't do the same. I can't or couldn't do the same. Felt like I couldn't do the same with Hopkins. I feel that is why, uh, that is what was the biggest obstacle for me, biggest blocker. So part part of it, not enough space, and next part would be that I just wasn't serious enough. Give me a second, some water. Yeah, learning languages is a massive undertaking. It is. Um, it, it really is. There are some people who do get very good very fast. These are people who are spending eight hours a day. Um, but assuming, you know, like you're a working adult, right? Yeah. You, um, and I called you an internet person earlier. That was sort of tongue in cheek. You actually touch grass quite a lot. You, you, yeah. you're constantly going out and going clubbing and dancing and you definitely well, clubbing, do not, not often me. anymore, but yeah, no, I, I go, out. I don't know what to call it. The, the little, the, I don't want to call them raves. Are they raves? The things that you guys do in Poland, go to a warehouse and dance. I really don't yeah. know. I'm uncultured. I'm not from Europe. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a thing. It's, it's a thing. Not just in Poland. It's it's a general European thing, I think. Um, but the, 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 the point is you have other hobbies, right? You play video yeah. games. You code. You uh, touch grass. I cook, you go out. I, cook. I love cooking. It's a, you do love cooking. Yeah. It's a uh, great hobby. I recommend it to everyone. So you were, you know, I guess it sounds like at your peak, you were spending a couple hours a day on Mandarin. Oh, less. It's much less. I've actually, even at my most serious, I've never really spent more than two, three hours per day on Mandarin. Right. Because, but the, the, because, the point is, is yeah. that you, you have gotten, over the course, you started in 2015, it's now 2013. So over the course of a couple the better part of a decade, right? You have um, gotten quite competent at Mandarin. So the, yep. you can learn a hard, like quote unquote hard. You can learn a language that's different and takes more time just by spending yep. a couple hours a day over the course of a couple of years. Yeah. Um, I was very consistent though. I did that every day, like no excuses. Yeah. That's, that's sort of the mantra that I'm giving out to a lot of coaching clients is consistency over intensity. Um, because I think an hour or two a day over a couple of years, much more sustainable than the people who go and do eight hours a day over the course of a year for, for a lot of people, Definitely. it's not sustainable and, uh, they burn out. Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree. It's very important to stay consistent to reasonable goals. I wouldn't actually, hmm, I, I, I never really felt like I need some goals. I just enjoyed the process. So every, if, when I when I sat down and I learned Mandarin every day, I've looked forward to it each time, right? I, 
because I knew I'm going to learn something new. So that's also part of those early stages of language learning, right? Uh, when you when you when you're just starting out, uh, the, the grow your growth is really fast. The gains are really strong. Uh, so it's good to build this schedule or this uh, habit very early based on those early rewards because it does get harder later on but at the start that's that's the time when it's most important i think and it's it's also good to reserve some time for it like i was doing it every evening aside from fridays because on fridays i would be doing something else with friends so on fridays i would do it in the morning uh or I would just do the Anki uh, in the bus in public transport when I was on my way somewhere. Or I would do Anki or read a short a short story on one of those uh, apps that you have for reading in Chinese. I would do those when I'm waiting in some queue or I was taking a break. So yeah, I, I've had a lot of those tiny habits and I think they add, they add up. It's, it's a good idea to do that, I think. I stand by that. I've oh, never no, used. Sure. I, I've yeah. never used. I, I never used Duolingo. <laughs> the Green Owl was never my master. I've right, always but just been like a Anki guy. It, it's sort of just a nice tale, right? You got good at English. You got good at Mandarin, um, without spending insane hours, right? You sort of see this, especially with the East Asian language learners, where like they feel like they need to do eight hours a day, or they're not going to learn the language, and that's just but not why? the case. Why? Like, if you look at it, I I can't I cannot get into the mindset of 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 those people. Um, I mean, it, no shade, know, no no shade. As long as yeah, you're no having shade. fun, as long as you're having fun, I I'm not saying anything well, bad. About some people turn it into work, you know. Yes, some people turn it into work. Yes, yeah, that's that's the, that's the thing I don't like. Because looking at it from an adult perspective, if you are in school, you have a ton of time you can do whatever you want potentially you can reorient your life within one year if you want to but as you're getting older doors start start to start closing for you so your time is they less really and less do. including including your daily time right so if you're 16 and you decide that oh i'm gonna learn uh i'm gonna learn japanese i'm gonna sit down watch anime every day and learn japanese it's a reasonable goal you have a lot of time. You can focus on it. You don't have anything else to do. Maybe you will go for Japanese studies later. Uh, you can just you can just make it your path. This is what you're going to be doing. But if when you are 28 or 30, 35, 40, and you decide to learn a new foreign language, you, you better have a plan for that because you're not going to sit down and watch anime for eight hours. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to fit it into your schedule unless you are some very special case in a unless very lucky, fortunate environment yes you, you you may have to cut out other things or just replace them like the first thing that's easiest to re replace is entertainment right like if you spend some time on entertainment whole, whole point yeah of of refold right is eventually learning through your 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 entertainment um and yeah I, I know that you are a big fan of some of the taiwanese translations of japanese manga um, oh yeah <laughs> yeah wow you remember that yeah that's true i i actually like manga in general even japanese i even japanese mangas i when i was a kid i would read them or i would read english translations of them because i believe that oh that's <laughs> that's a little embarrassing but i felt that english translations of Japanese manga, Japanese content would be of higher caliber than Polish translations. So I would read those translations in English. I would read English translations. Uh, yeah, and now I'm reading. A person who doesn't speak Polish, I don't know if. I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's accurate either because I've never read a manga in Polish, right? It's just something I believed. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a funny thing to admit. But yeah, and now I've. If I if I feel like reading a manga, I would rather read it in Mandarin than English, right? Because I feel like that's still it's actually doing something for the, the. You go for the Taiwanese translations, right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I'm from the school of Taiwan Maxing, so I've actually not watched any 
Chinese content in my life. It's all Taiwanese. <laughs> oh, no, wait. Maybe I watched like a short show, like eight episode thingy where they were hiding in some. Yeah, there was, there was this TV series that was really, really short where they were hiding in the wardrobe. Or the vast majority you know, I'm show. I'm I'm a horror fan. I'm a horror fan, and I think I watched a Taiwanese series with you. They were like mm-hmm. um, hour long short stories or whatever. Yeah, it was it was like three of them. I think They're very short. Yeah, short, very short, yeah. like mini series. Yeah, it was really good. I, I think Taiwan must do horror well, um, and that's something that mainland content does not do well, unfortunately. So I, I again do not have an issue with. Uh, content from china like i'm i'm sort of a pragmatist right most mandarin speakers are from china so yeah understandable yeah where, where i would gravitate but uh they do have some unfortunate laws regarding <clears throat> horror <laughs> you know like um yeah i think they're they I, don't I, show I, the supernatural or something like that they can't show supernatural there always has to be like a practical explanation for like horror yeah yeah uh, they've got like weird censorship rules relating to like uh um, bones and skeletons and stuff and all that is to say that china does a lot of content well horror is not one of them unfortunately just because of the um the the censorship yeah well funny that you mentioned being pragmatic because i felt i'm being pragmatic as well when i chose to learn taiwanese mandarin specifically because it was a choice uh yeah, I felt I'm like being pragmatic because the first native speakers I, I've met, they were Taiwanese. So I've learned from people that were from Taiwan. So I felt that the content that they can recommend me uh, will be from Taiwan as well. The character set that they use is traditional Chinese. So I, I said, okay, fine. So I have access to Taiwanese native Mandarin speakers. So I decided to learn traditional characters which later on turned out to not be a very important choice, actually. It, it only really matters at the start because you need to learn something, right? Uh, over time, you learn both anyway. So, yeah. Uh, the music they were recommending? Yeah? I forget what it was. Um, I seem to rem- recall talking to you one time, and you could only mm-hmm. find something in Simplified Chinese. And then you realize, oh, I can actually read Simplified. What am I doing? Yeah, I've done, I, in the end, I just opened it and I gave up. I didn't want to. Just, I could buy it in traditional or download it in Simplified. I downloaded it in Simplified. I've read like 15 pages of it. I'm like, okay, I, I'm not actually having any issues with this. So, yeah. The only time I was seeing simplified characters was with, when I was chatting with Chinese people online, actually. So that, that was all that I needed. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, because no. it's, it's, it's the most common characters that are different. The, the, the further you go, they are... Yeah, they are about the same. Yeah, yeah I think it's not too bad. Yeah, um, it's, it's really not. It's not a big deal. So we are about at time, uh, but Bart, before we go, let's wrap it up. What is your your piece of advice? What is your takeaway being a uh, person who speaks three languages to a decent level, right? Um, mm-hmm. What is your what is your takeaway? What is your advice if you had one piece of advice to give the listeners? Find something you like in the target language in your target language. It can be the sound of the language. It can be something simple like the sound of the language or some specific kind of media that you like in your target language. I think that's that's advice number one. And advice number two is just build a habit. Just keep at it every day. Seriously. So don't give up. Even if you get stuck, those things are very temporary. It never lasts very long. So Yeah, I think... Don't stress about it too much. Perfect. That's a great takeaway. And Bart, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy to be here. It was fun. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Refold Podcast. If you're watching the live premiere, you're in luck. Right as it ends, we have an after party over on the Refold Central Discord server. 
come join us by using refold.link forward slash join to chat about the episode. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to hear more, you can find older episodes to listen to on YouTube and Spotify. Let us know what you thought about the video by liking and leaving a comment below. Do you have suggestions for upcoming visitors or requests for particular topics? Please feel free to reach out to me on Discord at georgepig hashtag 5413 or via email at clayton at refold.la. Thank you all for watching and or listening, and I'll see you next week.